This podcast could potentially have adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly the possibility of sexual content. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, Drinking With Authors fans. We have some pretty big news from your host here, Erica Lance. We are moving to change the format of the show to be one episode. So there's a few episodes that record the old way that we're doing the new way. And that's what you're listening to. So thank you. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And we love having you as fans. On to the show. Welcome to Drinking With Authors. I'm your host, Erica Lance. My co-host, who's the amazing Bo Lake, will be here in moments. Having a little technical difficulty this morning, but we're moving through anyway. So with me today... Oh, actually, here she comes. She's popping in right as we speak. Woo-hoo. There she is. And we're live. Bo, hello. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> so um, our guest today is SR Fabrico. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. It's wonderful to have you. Um So let's talk really quickly about what we're drinking. Yes. Woo. Okay. Um, I am actually drinking, um, and I would like a lot of no judgment on this. So um, my goddaughter got me a Team Edward cup. I'm not Team Edward, but we have a running joke about the Twilight movies and watching them and stuff like that. So she bought me this and said, will you drink from it on your podcast? And I'm like, uh, I'm taking one for the team here, but it's good that it has alcohol in it. Um, it has the limeade, the um, cram. It's got limeade, cranberry, and it's got some of the moonshine cherries. So it's very fruity this morning. But I need quite a few of the moonshine cherries to make up for the fact that it says "I love vampires" right here. <laughs> okay. Well, what are you drinking? I have a cup of coffee because I was out very late at a concert last night, and I. I'm too old to be out till two in the morning. And what concert were you out at? I was at Blink-182. Nice. Drinking like rock stars, literally. Okay. SR, what are you drinking? I am also drinking a cup of coffee, which might have a little splash of Baileys in it, maybe. <laughs> um, Dunkin' Donuts coffee with some mm. French vanilla creamer. Ooh, good one. That's very good. I'm a big fan of the Baileys and the coffee. I'm mm-hmm. a big fan of Baileys on ice. I introduced that to a friend of mine, Tommy. Hi, Tommy. Um, the other day, because he was like, you just drink it on the rocks. And I'm like, yeah. So we went through a bottle and a half together. I don't know <laughs> if I'm proud of that or whatever, but it did happen. So it's yummy. Okay. So for the audience at large that may not know, what do you write? I typically write um, romance, like suspenseful, suspense romance, thriller um, type of genre. So I do have a series of nonfiction um, guided journals for athletes, but my passion and excitement are my fiction novels that I write. That's so very cool. Um, Nonfiction for athletes. Okay, let's touch on that two seconds and then we're going to talk about fiction. Okay. What what made you decide to write non... What are the journals about? I'm not big into sports, so... Me neither. No judging. No, it's all good. So I've actually been a coach um, for over 20 years. 
um, mostly cheerleading, dance, and gymnastics. Um, but my kids are all, you know, involved in sports. My daughter does crew. My son does soccer. I was a basketball player and a softball player as a kid. My husband uh, was a professional golfer for a period of time. So we are definitely very into sports and I have not been coaching for several years. And when I started writing, um, I thought, you know, this would be cool to provide a tool for kids to help them, you know, throughout their season. It kind of just connected me back to the coaching world a little bit. And so it's a guided book that takes them through their season and helps them um, just, you know, I, you said you're not, you don't, you know, you're not actively involved in sports, but a lot of times, especially nowadays, I feel like everybody kind of gets caught up in the immediate gratification of what, what am I experiencing right now? And I want to win or whatever. And I just think it's important for the kids to have a method to track their success throughout the year and say, you know, Hey, these are my goals. This is what I want to achieve. And maybe you don't reach all of them, but they can go back after 365 days and look and say, Hey, you know, I did accomplish this, 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 and this, you know, and, and there's also a lot of things in there too, about how they're helping their teammates and are they being a good example and just kind of working through some of the sports things that, you know, happen. You're not always going to make the team that you want or, you know, win the award that you want. That's okay. Like you, you do it because you love it and look at all the other things that you accomplished, you know, along the way and how do you achieve those goals? So it's just kind of a fun little side project, um, that I did that I thought would be, would be good for, for some kiddos doing sports these days. No, that's, that's pretty awesome. I like that. Very, that is very cool. Yeah. Okay. So when did you first start um, publishing fiction? So my first novel, my debut novel was published in March of 2021. Okay. I wrote the book in 2018 um, as a Christmas present for my husband um, mm. because I just, I wanted to tell him this story. Um, and then COVID happened and I decided that I was going to publish that book and I just kind of fell in love with writing and my next novel is getting ready to come out in June. Um, and I have two more planned that are part of that series coming out in June. So very, very cool. So how are you published? I am self-published through Ingram and KDP. That's very, that's, that's awesome. That is awesome. What made you choose that route? Well, my first novel was kind of personal. It's uh, fiction, but based on a true story. Um, and that one kind of definitely has romance and, and um, actually uh, some of the editors that were helping me definitely called it a thriller, but given the nature of the topic, I just didn't feel comfortable um, calling it that. So I say that book is like a women's coming of age fiction, but there's definitely a lot of romance and, and suspense in it, I guess you could say. Um, and I didn't want the story to change. I didn't want, um, I wanted to have like full autonomy in the book. So I didn't want to um, traditionally publish which is why I chose to self-publish. And then because I did that, I was like, well, I'll, you know, I'll do the next one that way too for now and just kind of work all of the angles and avenues. So that's kind of how I ended up where I am. I no, I think that's fantastic because um, what you said is exactly why a lot of people decide to independently publish. It's one thing to send your books out and you're not getting the response you want right away or whatever. And you're like, okay, I'll go publish it myself. But I love that you went, I don't want this changed. I, you know, because that's what can happen a lot of times with traditionally published things. Like they uh, take it and they're like, I like this, except for here are the 10 things I would like you to do differently in this right. book, you know? And I think it's it's incredibly easy for an author 
to compromise their integrity on it. It's one thing if somebody goes, hey, I think you should, you know, add white elephants to your book. And you're like, oh, oh actually that would add to it. You know, right. like there are absolutely suggestions out there for that. But I feel like a lot of times um, authors feel like, well, I, I want to get published. So instead I have to compromise my work or my art to get published. And that's mm -hmm. not actually the case. You don't have to do that. That is, that is my opinion on it. Yeah, this I agree. And with the first one, that was really important to me, you know, so um, moving then, forward, I think those suggestions, you know, and things would be great. And I wouldn't mind, you know, but um, with the first one, I just, I was like, it is what it is. And this is what I want it to be. And that's it. So. Oh, so first one's out. When does the next one come out from June that? 27th? So just about five weeks, I think five weeks away. Yeah, so this will, it will have been out when this airs, because unfortunately we're running a little bit, but that is super exciting because, um, uh, you know, you're hitting right in the summer spot and things like that for that, and that one is the young adult one? Um, no, it's, it's, I would definitely say it's an adult, um, new mm -hmm. adult maybe, um, I don't know that I would, I don't know that I would do young adult. My daughter is about to be 16. I did not let her read the first novel. I told her that she had to be 18 before she could read it. Um, just because of the subject matter, I wanted her to be a little older, but, and I, so I told her she could read this one. Um, it's not too bad. You know, I think it's a lot more fun and lighthearted. Um, but I would not advertise it as young adult. No. Okay. And what is the title? Call her Janie. I actually have ooh, ooh. Right here. Oh, I got my ooh. I got my first author copy uh just a couple of days ago. So I was super excited that it came in in time. <laughs> yeah. So what was that like when you got your first book in your hands? I know that's an experience the first time you get to actually it was hold. it was pretty surreal for my first my debut novel in March. I mean, I cried like it was it was pretty cool. It was awesome and it just it felt like, holy cow, you know, I did this. Um, and it was, it's kind of undescribable, I guess, you know, but just a very proud, um, very proud, exciting moment for sure. And then you've let your baby out into the world. It's been a few months now. Um, what has that been like? Um, it's been a bit of a whirlwind. I, I would say, you know, it's, it's been exciting. It's been fun. Um, you know, it's, um, for the first novel, it was interesting because it was a story, you know, that uh, was personal and hadn't been told until the book came out, really. And um, I was nervous, you know, and you have all this build up and I'm starting to feel this anxiety again with this new book coming out where it's like, okay, you do all this work and you put all this effort into it and you're excited and you're proud and you release it. And then you're like, oh my God, now the world is going to read it. What if it's terrible? And what if people don't like it? What if they say bad things about it? And, you know, I don't know what other authors experience, but that's just how I feel. It's like this overwhelming panic of like, oh shit, this book is going out into the world, you know, and, and what, what, what did I do? Um, and so there's a lot of that. I would call it a roller coaster of up and down, you know, um, so far the reviews have been, you know, relatively, um, positive. I had some advanced readers and people seem to really enjoy it. Um, and so, you know, I think with the first one, it was just the new, so all the new experiences, you know, learning how to market the book, doing different podcasts. And, um, I've done some book, some virtual book, uh, club, 
you know, things. And that's been fun and um, challenging to talk about too, because it was just a topic that I didn't talk about. And now I am talking about it and um, submitting for awards, winning my first award was really super cool. Um, and the last several, you know, so it was a little over a year ago that the book was published. I would say the last nine months really have been focused on kind of marketing and promoting that. I did just um, have released an audio version of my first book, which is exciting. Um, and it's been focused on writing the new book, editing the new book, getting everything ready for the new book, marketing the new book, you know, just getting ready for the launch. And it's just, it's so much to do by yourself. And I do have a full-time job and I'm a mother of two. So <laughs> yeah, no, take a breath. it's, it's it, it is a, it is a lot, you know, um, I, I think a lot of people think sometimes that authors like, uh, get to, I'm just going to go right full time. <laughs> You know, I'm going to wake up and go sit at my desk. And no one will bother me. You know, that would be amazing. <laughs> that would be a dream. Yeah. Yeah. No, that never happens. That's not okay. a necessarily. So um, what is, I, and Bo, I'm going to turn it over to you after I ask this question, I promise. Um, what is your like sort of goals that you've had? So you, the first, what is the title of the first book? Oh, the secrets we can seal. Okay. So I have that one too. Ooh. I like it. Very creepy cover. Um, so what was what is your goal when you started off with the book? Were you like, you know what, this is what I'm gonna do? I want to write, I want to get a ton of books out. Were you like, I just have this one story and then liked it? Like, how did yeah? You so my first book really I had no um I just wanted to publish a book. You know, like I said, I had this story I wanted to share with my husband. I rewrote the version that's published is different than the version that I gave him at Christmas in 2018. But I, you know, just wanted to publish the book. And I thought it, you know, it was just, I had put all the time and effort into it years ago. And I thought, you know, I've got a little extra time now during COVID. Let me get this published. And it was kind of through that process that I was like, wow, this is really cool. And I would like to write and publish, you know, more books. Um, and I think now, well, first of all, I enjoy it. You know, I enjoy getting kind of swept away in my characters and the story, you know, but the new book, it's funny, my husband and I will walk around the house and talk about the characters like they're real people in our lives, you know, and, and I just, we crack up, you know, and we'll, we'll sit and talk about where the story's going and, oh, maybe you should do this. And it's really cool how he's like super supportive and, and just a part of the story creation. Um, and I really enjoy that. And I think now over time, it's just kind of become, you know, um, I enjoy reading. I, my work has always um, been very stressful and time consuming and reading is an outlet for me to just kind of take a breath and, and get into the pages of whatever story I'm reading. And, and kind of, it's the one thing that kind of shuts my brain off and really allows me to focus in on what I am reading. And so I think as a writer, you know, that's what I want to do. I want to provide stories that do the same thing for people that just take them away from whatever's going on in their life and give them, give them a moment to just get captured by the characters and get inside of the story. Um, and if that could turn into something more down the road, amazing. Like I would love that, you know, but I'm not, I have no, you know, I'm not quitting my job tomorrow, <laughs> maybe ever, you know, but when I retire someday, you know, maybe I will have built up 
um, enough of a following and written enough books that, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a good little retirement fund. No, totally. And that's exactly it. Again, you have the right mentality. I mean, it's great when you have a book that takes off and isn't, you know, a bestseller and by bestseller, I mean, thousands of copies, not somebody puts a label saying it's a bestseller. Cause that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to make any money. And, um, that you can do that, but it is a quantity. It is a backlist. It is creating a backlist so that your fans um, follow you in all of your books. I mean, you know, Stephen King, who doesn't write series really. I mean, he, he wrote a couple series, but he mainly writes independent books, right? Look at, he has an entire backlist. You fall in love with Stephen King. You go all the way back to the beginning, right? you know, and there have been what 20 covers on it or something like that. Right. Just, yeah. And it takes time and, you know, just patience. Um, a lot of tough skin, I feel like, you know, uh, yeah. really and truly. Um, I feel like as a new author, I've actually, you know, it's funny because the world thinks of, you know, oh, you're going to be like Nicholas Sparks or, oh, you're going to be like JK Rowling or, oh, you're going to be Colleen Hoover. You know, like you wrote a book. That's really cool. That That's what they go to, you know? And like you said, success is a couple thousand books. Like, I've checked that off my list, which I think is pretty cool. And I'm only about ready to publish my second fiction novel. And I think that's hugely successful, but it's still not a living. <laughs> no, you know? it, but it's good that you have the idea to keep going and keep building it so that when you decide and it gets to a point where you're like, I'm making enough, like um, a very good friend of mine, Jeff, I promise, but I'm going to let you talk. Jeff Strand <laughs> talked about this. He's a, he's a horror author. He mainly writes um, standalone books or Stephen King, like he has a couple series, but he full-time job and working. And he got to the point where he had, I want to say, you have to go listen to the podcast of it, but I think he said he had, um, 26 or 28 books were published, wow. self-published. He self-published. He, um, he has a middle grade series that's published by a publisher, but all of his horror books are published by self-published and he was able to um, quit his job and he did it very nicely. He joked, he had two letters written, like the one he wanted to send. And then the, I, just in case I have to come back and get my job back letter, you know, and now he's up to, I think something like 40 or 45 books published because he's wow. doing it full time. He publishes two or three books a year. Right. But um, then he was able to do it, but he's not able to do it. And it's not like he's living in a mansion and, you know, whatever. He's just making a comfortable enough living to be able to do that. And that's the other thing is correct expectations. Like, yes, it would be great to be a JK Rowling. There's only a handful, well, other than the way she's all, presently All of behaving. that that she's doing. I'm now. talking about her book success, <laughs> not any, ugh. but um, there's, you know, a handful of those that exist. It's not you know, that can't, if that's your only goal, not to not strive for it, but you'll set yourself up for disappointment potentially. Right. If that's the goal you have. Um, okay, okay, Bo, I'm really allowing you to ask questions. Now. <laughs> I'm going to even allow you to ask questions until the break. How about oh, that? Well, lucky me. Um, yeah. You said that your husband was the first one to ever read one of your books because you got it for him for Christmas. How did he react? Um, I, he thought it was super cool and really enjoyed reading it. I'll be honest with you. Looking back now, it was awful. Um, <laughs> 
Um, but he did not tell me that, of course. He was super supportive. And um it was cool. It was neat to sit and talk about it. And it really, you know, for us specifically, it it opened up some dialogue about, you know, kind of what what had happened and and that was good. And um, you know, then he reread it when I rewrote it. Um, and then I believe he read it one more time when it was actually published because it changes, you know, it changes yeah. constantly. Um, and you know, he was, he was really, he was super supportive and really proud. And it was surreal, I think to just, you know, like, wow, you know, and he thought it was really cool that his wife wrote him a book for a Christmas present. That's how the whole thing started. You know, I printed it out and put it in a three ring binder, like, here you go. <laughs> what made you choose to tell him that story? Uh, just because he, you know, we've been married, let's see, 23 years this July and um, he was just such a significant part of, of all of it. And then my life, you know, we've been together 26 years, married 23 years in July, like I said, and I just wanted him to know like, Hey, this is, you know, what you've done for me that you didn't know that you did for me type of thing. So. Very cool. Okay. Bo, sorry. I did jump in. <laughs> I was like, Erica, you said I'm I sorry. get to ask all I the questions. No, you know what I'm going to do? <laughs> Look, I just muted myself. We're <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about what the newer book is about? Yeah, so Call Her Janie is um, a really fun. I had so much fun writing this story and it kind of took on a life of its own and changed direction. Um, but the published version that's coming out in a few weeks, which I think I'm finally, I, I don't have any plans on any more changes, but I was editing even just a couple of weeks ago. Um, the main character's name is Lizzie Levine and she is um, a, a Yankee. Um, I was too a Yankee. I live in the South now, but I'm from the North. And um, she was working a very high powered job at a marketing firm, started off um, as an intern and then worked her way up to be the chief, the chief operating officer. And she was very focused and career driven. Unfortunately, she ends up um, getting a little too close to her boss who happens to own this multi-billion dollar marketing firm. And things kind of go awry with that. And she realizes kind of what's important in life and she needs she needs a little bit of a do-over so she just she quits her job packs up her things and moves to Southport North Carolina um, which is a tiny quaint little beach town if you've never heard of it it actually really does exist and it's like shocking that there's towns like this still in our country today um, and so she moves there because her brother lives there and she's close to her brother and they talk but she hasn't seen him in 10 years so she just kind of shows up on his doorstep and then starts this new life in Southport where she um, gets a part-time job working at a bookstore that just recently opened for a woman named Helen, who is super cool and fun. Um, she was a paralegal and um, her husband passed away and she had always had this dream of opening the bookstore. So after he passed, she decides I'm going to do it. So, so Lizzie kind of becomes her part-time employee slash marketing muse, which then turns into a full-time opportunity. She meets, um, a new a new guy named Josh and kind of builds a relationship with him and um you know there's like a like a stalker type of situation 
um, that goes on and you're kind of wondering like what, what the scoop is. And then it all, it all kind of comes out in the end. There's, there's definitely, um, some twists and turns. And I think just when the reader, fig, you know, thinks they might've figured out what happened, you know, it's something else entirely. So at least, at least that's what everybody said so far. They're like, oh my God, I did not see that coming. Like great plot <laughs> twist. So, um, and yeah, it kind of leaves you, it's a happy ending, but it also leaves a cliffhanger for book number two, which was not part of the plan when I started writing the book. That always happens. I feel mm -hmm. like, do yep. you have a marketing background? I do. Mm -hmm. So I do. you work in marketing now? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> How did that help you with uh, marketing the book? Um, well, so, I mean, I think it helped me understand a, the importance of marketing. I think that's kind of something that authors don't they don't know. I mean, yeah. and then if they do know it, then they don't know what to do. Um, I'm still learning, you know, I think marketing is different for everything that you're marketing to some degree. Right. And so, you know, marketing books is different than what I do marketing, but so learning all the different niches and, and things to do to market my book. But I think it helped me understand the importance of it. It helped me understand that it's necessary. And I definitely have some skills and tools you know, that make it a little bit easier for me. However, my biggest downfall is always great at marketing others, not so great at marketing myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that's where I struggle. And, and I think that also um, kind of adds to my anxiety as the book launch comes out because the marketing is ramping up now too. And it just mm -hmm. makes me sick to my stomach. Like, oh my God, I don't want to talk about my book or myself <laughs> or, you know, um, and I, and I have to do more and more of that as the book is coming mm -hmm. out. And I just, I am uncomfortable. I mean, I'm just being honest. I'm just, I'm uncomfortable with that. So yeah. it is what it is. I need to get over it. <laughs> <laughs> what is your best marketing advice for a new author? Um, I think my best marketing advice probably is to, you know, I create a plan, you know, you, mm -hmm. like, um, without a plan, you know, every, it's just a wish, right? So right. you need to write down a strategy. What's your plan going to be with deadlines? I'm a really, I mean, that works for me anyway, without a deadline, mm -hmm. I don't, I'll just put it off and tell, well, that can wait, you know, or I'll just move this deadline. Um, and I do that with my writing too. Like I set a deadline on when not only the book needs to be finished, but a certain number of chapters need to be finished. And, and so I think having a plan, um, for one, for the, a whole year prior, ideally before you publish, but six months at least, you know, and, and what is, what is your plan? You know, making sure obviously that your website is updated, that your author bio is updated, that your, um, you know, what is your social media going to look like? What are you, you know, how are you kind of dropping the little breadcrumbs, you know, are you doing any type of paid marketing advertisements, you know, that kind of thing. Um, just kind of having a plan for all of those things and then work the plan, I think is my, is my best advice. Um, yeah. That's good advice. Uh, if you had to cast a film with your characters, who would you have play the main character? Um, so I actually, and this is so terrible because I cannot remember his name. Um, but the two, um, the two male characters, you've got the boss in New York where there was like a romantic, you know, interest. And then the, uh, Southport native, um, the, the character four from Divergent, and I can't think of his, oh, name, yeah. think of his name, um, was who either. I actually selected. I did like a, like a, I saw that another author did this and I thought it was a really fun idea. And it's like a book boyfriend app. 
and you kind of like you like swipe to see the boyfriends and so um so I chose him for the Southport native Josh and then Josh Dumal for um Gray who is the boss in New York I don't have um don't have a female character yet actually I've been thinking about it and I'm like who would who would be great for Lizzie I don't know um haven't I haven't decided so maybe you guys could read the book and tell me what you think yeah (laughs) I need to know more about those book boyfriends hey listeners you know me Eric Lance you're just listening to me in the podcast that you have but guess what I'm doing something new yeah, she's joining me, Mark Muncy, the author of the Erie, Florida book series in Erie, Appalachia. And we are hosting a new podcast called Erie Travels. Woo-woo, Erie Travels, which covers things like ghosts, cryptids, weird stuff, UFOs, men in black, all kinds of fun things that people talk about and I'm sure you've discussed with friends. Yep, and you can listen to us on your favorite podcast platform of choice or find us at eerietravels.com and join in the fun and all the spooky goodness. And of course, Mark, what do we always say? We'll see you on the other side. Okay, we're back. We're back and I guess going to talk about book boyfriends? What? (laughs) Apparently there's an app that helps you find book boyfriends. Well, it's a make-believe app on my social media. (laughs) (laughs) I love Ah. it. You should make it a real app. Maybe, maybe someday. That would be awesome. (laughs) There you go. Um, So I love that you have a marketing background because I think that absolutely usually is the thing we hear from authors that stuns them as the marketing that you have to do for things. Um, And that you set a timer for yourself. Do you ever run into like, um, not being uh, inspired to write? What happens when you encounter, I, I hate to say writer's block because I don't think it's writer's block the way people usually say it is, but what happens when you run into, like you've got a deadline and you sort of get locked up? Do you get locked so up? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean over here and knock on some wood because I don't want to jinx myself, but I don't really experience that. I think that, and it doesn't mean I won't ever, but I feel like right now writing is kind of my escape from reality and so what I run into more than anything is time and it's like you know I plan to write a chapter today let's say I didn't but let's say I did and you know life life happens right and things get in the way and I didn't have time to write my chapter today so what I'll do then is kind of move my deadline so my ending deadline doesn't change you know that this is the end date everywhere in between, I call it flexible, you know? And so it's like, okay, well, my next time to write that I'm trying to set aside to write is this, you know, a week from now, I got to get two chapters done because I skipped this chapter. There are times where I will say that I sit down and, you know, I have a hard time even getting out one chapter. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm just not feeling it, you know, or I, I, I don't know, you know, my brain, I can't get connected. I can't get involved in what I'm doing, but whatever's going on in my life is, is in my head, clouding my brain. And I try to write and I do, I mean, I, you know, I do write, but I I can't get the chapter out like that. And then there are times where I'll sit down and I mean, it's like six or seven chapters just, just pour right out of me, um, which is great. And I haven't missed a deadline yet. So hopefully that 
plan keeps working and I don't have any of those issues, but I'm sure that they will come. <laughs> well, I hope you never have those issues, actually. And some people don't. I don't think everybody necessarily gets bogged up. I'm just curious if you had, how do you encounter that situation? Um, so what about editing and all of that stuff? Because that had to be something interesting to get into. How did you figure out what you needed to do? Yeah, so I actually had a really um, great, another author that I reached out to that wrote a similar book um, or similar type of book as my my debut novel. And I reached out to her and she read, I thought that I, you know, I was excited and I'm like, yeah, I wrote this book. It's great. It's amazing. Let's go publish it, whatever. And I sent it to her really excited to get her feedback. And I value and appreciate her ability to be honest and she got in like six chapters and was like I can't you can't publish this like you need to work on this and I'm sorry that that probably hurts your feelings but you need to know the truth and um and I was like wow really and I had had it edited one time and I edited it myself of course but um and as much as it stung to hear that it was super helpful and then I really started learning a lot more I mean so much so that like, I didn't even have the book formatted. I didn't know, you know what I mean? I didn't know what I was doing. And so I'm super, I will be forever grateful for her brutal honesty and really teaching me to understand like, Hey, you know, if you're going to do this, like you need to do it and do it right. And so from there I hired, you know, um, an additional two editors and then did some more revisions myself. I had it formatted properly. Um, now I feel like I get it and I have a much, um, I have a system and my book has gone through five professional edits plus my own edits. Um, and I, I feel like you could never be done with that process. And that's where some authors get stuck too, you know, but at some point you have to just kind of pull the trigger and say, okay, this is, this is it. We're done. Like, you know, we're not, we're not doing that anymore. Um, I will say it is difficult to truly get the feedback that you need. Um, I think that my editors are great. There are like, as I continue, I feel like there will be some I bring with me and then new, new pockets I will fill in like, okay, I'm not going to use you for this one. I'm going to try you and we're going to see how that goes. And you just gather, you know, more people along the way that help you be successful. And I, I don't know that this is rare, but I mean, I, I kind of feel like it's rare. You know, I, I don't want, I think for the editor, it's difficult too, right? Because they want to help you edit your book, but they don't want to offend you. They don't want to upset you because they want your business again, right? I truly value, like, I want the truth. You know, I want to be great. I want my book to be great. I want people to read it and think it's great. And, you know, so I need to know that it's not good or that, you know, I need to work on this or you need to change this part of the story or, you know, whatever, Um and so I value that and appreciate that. I, I try to get as many people to read it in advance as possible. And I take those things as well. I listen to what they say, the questions that they ask, the, the reactions that they have. And, and then I realize like, okay, I need to tweak this a little bit because it didn't quite give me the reaction that they didn't quite give me the reaction that I was looking for. Or, you know, they have the same questions. They ask the same questions. Well, what about this? What happened here? It's okay, but that's a that's something that a lot of readers are obviously thinking about that I didn't fulfill the answer to that question. So I need to put that in there. You know what I mean? Oh no, totally. And I think it's, it's interesting. Sorry, my magical doorbell. Um, 
uh, I think it's interesting that uh, you talk about that because one of the big things with editors is, yeah, they want your business, but a good editor has to be very blunt with you. And your job as the author, if you have to go get mad, I had one author tell me what he does when he first gets his edits back is he um, walks away, uh, has a couple drinks, spends a day being pissed off, then comes back and immediately writes the editor a thank you email for doing it and that they will review it because he can be as mad as he wants to be about the edits that are there. But the truth is their job is to help you. Now you have to find the ones that actually genuinely help you and you feel get your voice and get your storytelling, right? But um, yeah, their job is to do that because otherwise editors can completely screw you over by um, not editing your book enough, thinking that they're going to upset you or offend you or whatever, which is terrible because you're kind of trusting them to be that that uh, voice of reason for your manuscript and the, yeah. you know, that there's an entire job there. And, you know, it's, it does suck if you don't have somebody who's like, yeah. So, yeah, I remember my first editor, one of my first stories, cause it involves a ghost. And she was like, is this character supposed to be dead? And I was like, why? And she's like, cause it doesn't say that anywhere. Like not like you don't get that. That's what it is. If you want to eventually have them understand that. And I was like, Oh, I'm so mad. Yeah, <laughs> think like me. No. Right. Sorry. But that's the thing that's so hard about writing, right? Because the story is coming for you from your brain. And there are there are aspects of the story that are assumed by you, kind of. If you mm. know, I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? The iceberg. Yeah. The giant right. and you story think iceberg. That, you You're think like, why don't you like, see oh, this well, thing? Right. Like, how do people not get it? I don't understand. You know, I get it, but that's because you have all the knowledge in your brain. And it's like conveying that to the reader in, in such a way that, you know, it's, it's packaged beautifully for them and they get it. They get what you're trying to say. You know, it's, I, the one, I found one um, girl too, that she's not an editor, but she's just a reader and she loves to read, but she is brutally honest. <laughs> and um, she, because that's the thing, like the readers too, you know, they don't want to hurt your feelings and they respect the fact that the author put work into it and they're polite. And I'm like, I don't want polite. I want the truth, you know? And, um, and she gives me the truth. And I would say much like the other author that you were talking about, I read her truth and it took me like a week to just kind of sit on that and simmer in it. And then I ended up applying probably 90% of the suggestions that she made. Um, but that is so invaluable, you know, and I feel like we can't get enough of it, although it's hard to hear and, you know, I hate going through that process. Like it's, it's so necessary, you know, and I crave it and it's hard to find people like that. <laughs> no, I think it's so vitally important. We don't talk about that a lot on the show, but I think being able to put on a thick skin and go, okay, this person's genuinely trying to help you. I actually just think it's an advice in, in life. Not that you should walk around and be mean to people, but Far too many people are not actually honest about situations. Like, I mean, how many of us have been with friends and they're trying on clothes and then you go, they go, what do you think? And you're like, um, right. How do I say this? Yeah. How do I say this? So my friends know that about me. So if they take me, I'm like, <laughs> I'm just warning you. And if they seem very excited, I go, well, do you like it? 
I would say that my closest friends know that too. Like, don't ask my opinion on anything unless you want the truth. If you don't want the yeah. truth, then ask somebody else. Yeah, no, I think I think that's the case. And I think you can tell some of those authors because there's the ones that have a hard time reading your, their reviews too. Um, have you had any bad reviews? So I, for my um, debut novel, I've received most five and four star reviews, a couple three star reviews. I did have, I do have one one star and one two star, but there's no, they didn't write anything. So I hate that, you know, but I think I, the first, that. I agree too. It's like, if you're going to give it one star, like at least tell people why, you know, but I think that, it, you know, my debut novel, it's, it's kind of one of those where it's like, you're going to either love it or hate it. Like there's really not a whole lot of in between. Um, and while those bother me every time I see them, I'm like, oh, you know, it's, it is what it is. Every book isn't for everyone. My newest novel is just now starting to get some good read reviews. It's not out yet, obviously. Um, so far I'm super excited. Um, they're all five-star. I had one three-star yesterday, but I know that reader, um, and it's, I, I appreciate that she read the book. I, she is, um, I think there were some some scenes in the book that are not her thing and mm. she gave it a three-star review just because of that you know like I, I feel like it was just not exactly the kind of book that she read um you know that she typically reads um, which is okay I mean three stars isn't isn't bad you gotta have and you gotta have them all I think it legitimizes the book I you know I think perfect five-star reviews from every single reader people kind of then go hmm is this legit you know yeah, well, they pay for those yeah, and I think, you know, ignoring the people that just put stars and don't say anything because that's just dumb. But at the same time, you know, I I almost think it's like they paid for your book, they bought your book. You, you got the money for it. Now, if yeah. only you got negative reviews, that would be something. But if they, if they want to say their piece or whatever, because I think a lot of times when you're reading reviews, about books first of all a lot of readers like to put the entire book in the review which drives me crazy like you know we'll give away the ending to the book in the review yeah. so I think though that it, when you're reading reviews you can also tell when somebody um likes that genre like we we joke about a review we saw for a um erotic uh romance book like it was an erotica book and they said there was a lot of kissing in it two stars and you're like, okay, so you didn't know what you were buying then. Like, how do you yeah. not know what you were buying? But clearly yeah, there is right. half naked people on the cover of the book. That it bought. wasn't like a field of flowers with a little like, you know, or something. No, it it legitimately they're not wearing clothes on the cover. Too much kissing. <laughs> okay cool thanks like you I almost have right. to ignore right you just have to take that with a grain of salt you know yeah. ignore the I, review at that point in time I think I think my biggest issue is I'm so self-deprecating that like I get the reviews and I'm like did they really like like I I have to talk myself into like the five-star reviews that I've gotten I'm like well, surely they really meant that, right? Because if they didn't, like they could have given me a four-star review and and still not like, you know, if they're afraid to like upset the author, you know what I mean? Like, or they don't mm -hmm. want to be mean. Yeah. I'm like, surely they wouldn't do a five-star review, right? Like they could do three or four stars, They, you know, or they just don't have to review it at all. But I, I am constantly convincing myself that like they're real, that even the good ones are real. <laughs> oh, no. If they took the time, they took the time because that's the other thing is not everybody takes the time. So for every 
you know, review you have, you probably have 10, 20, 30 other people that have read your book and probably loved it. They just don't take the time to yep. read it, you know? Yep. And I have to say on Kindle, honestly, it does not make it easy to leave a review. Mm -mm. So the, you end up with the star situation. It makes it really easy to do the stars, but I kind of wonder if Amazon does that on purpose, right? Um stars are easy and they're like oh we'll get more of them if we put that front and center right click this yeah um okay what about your um writing environment i see your epically beautiful office back there i love the red walls i just Thank redid you. my bathroom and i did a ship creek bathroom and i made a red ceiling everybody thought i was completely nuts but i'll tell you perfect for my Shit's creek bathroom i am a super huge fan of Shit's creek Amazing. Love it. Love it. I, love it. I literally feel like I'm Myra. That is my entire existence is <laughs> I, I'm Myra. I've dressed up like her several times. Um, but what is your, is this your writing environment? What is your so, writing environment? Yes. So this is my office. I, um, my writing environment began at my dining room table. This actually used to be a formal dining room. Um, and I would sit at my dining room table and write. And as I started doing more and more of it, uh, I talked to my husband and I was like, you know, well, I, let me back up for a second. So we have an office at the house, like an actual room does that is an office. Um, my husband started working from home a couple of years ago. So we kind of converted that into his office space. So I was at the dining room table writing because I would go into work to work and then I would just kind of write at home. And, um, after a lot of years of that, I was like, this is really uncomfortable and starting to hurt my back. And I don't want to keep doing this. I really would like to figure another situation out. So we took the dining room furniture and sold it. And I turned my dining room into my office. <laughs> so, and I actually, I saw so I this chair behind me, which has some boxes. I just got some stuff that came in. I didn't even realize I probably should have taken that off the chair. That's okay. Not but super aesthetic back this there. This is anyway. my my uh, dog, dog bed. I have a nice, nice. So I have a golden doodle um, that usually sits in the chair and my husband comes out of his office from working and he looks at the dog who's just like slumped in the chair. He's like, oh, I see your, your editorial assistant is, is helping you today. So yeah, so that's usually, that's usually it. But yeah, I have a nice desk. I have a little window I can look out at. I have my bookshelves with all my books that I have read and my books that I write and um a little, little credenza in the middle so i'm super excited it's it's a fancier office just because it is literally the first room like off to the side when you when you open up the door like you see my office and so i didn't want it to be you know messy looking because it's the first thing that people see when they come into my house i think that's amazing and i think it's great when you do get an office i mean Bo's background is blurred for reasons relating to the uh, book uh, the box on your chair. Right. Yeah. yeah. You're just pointing in back into the void. I love that. The uh, void. Yeah. Yeah. So what you my don't see is a mess. Yeah. My totally bookshelves are all over here, but what you don't see is the other stuff on the floor. Right. That's real. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's real life, right? We're all just doing the best we can. To yeah. So true. Day. Do you listen to music while you're um, writing? I, um, I don't typically, I am, I am zoned in true story. I can be so like zeroed in on what I'm doing that my husband has literally come up behind me to like 
speak in my ear and I about fall out of my chair. I like nothing else exists around me. As, as it should be, as it should be to be a good writer. Okay. So, um, Bo, final question. Final question. What is your favorite and least favorite, uh, like, like trope in like a romantic suspense? Oh gosh. Um, Oh, that's a tough question. We can do a romance or uh, like suspense. I definitely like a slow burn. I feel Mm -hmm. like for sure. Um, I know that's not necessarily a trope specifically, but I do, I do appreciate. um, I don't know. There's so many that I really like. You know, Um, I think the you know enemies to lovers which is so done a million times, but I get sucked into those all the time. I definitely like, um, which I, you know, kind of put in my story, but I definitely enjoyed the, the push and pull give and take of, of like, is it going to be this guy or this guy type of thing? You know, whether it's like a sweet home, Alabama, you know, or a notebook type of situation where, you know, she has one, already and is happy but then this kind of happens over here as a past love or whether it's just two people at the same time type I don't know I kind of enjoy the the push and pull of that um gosh my least favorite I don't know that I have a least favorite I um trying to think I I mean I I have to say about the the love interest the two you mentioned what I love about that is they're both great people and it's not she's choosing like the bad boy i mean a couple of them have a little bad boy esqueness but they're not bad people like she's not choosing the person who treats her like crap and is you know whatever versus the good straight lace that you you chose ones where both of the guys are fantastic they're just different right and then how they make her feel or you know whatever and i don't know so i i, I would say that's probably I enjoy that a lot. Um, I don't know that I have a least favorite, truly. Like I, um, I'm trying to think, but nothing pops out into my mind. I'm pretty much game to read most anything, to be honest. I'm one of those people that'll cross through all kinds of different genres and stories and usually enjoy it and make it to the end. Hello, Drinking With Authors fans. This is your host, Erica Lance. Because of the change of the format of the show, Welcome to the literary briefs portion. Enjoy. So let's get this rocking and rolling with what is your favorite book of all time? Oh God, me? Well, we already already discussed ours because we're the hosts. Oh, right. Okay. My favorite book of all time. Oh God. Um, That is hard. How do you guys have one book that is your favorite of all time ever? I think that it's because it's the book for me, how I name my favorite is the one that I've picked up over and over and I keep reading it. And, you know, like if somebody was to ask me um, books that have had an impact and stuff like that, it's it's one right, that has so had a huge I, impact. I have a lot of books that I really enjoy. And I think I'm going to go with this one, The Secret Life of Bees, because Ooh. I did not um, enjoy reading Honestly, I was a math, I was a math major. I was a mathematician and how I became a writer is, you know, beyond me. But anyway, (laughs) that um, is a weird, (laughs) right? Right. Totally. Yes. We could totally, I could. Yeah. 
I can do lots of math, still tutor people in math. And now I write, but anyway, um, I was traveling a lot for work and this was a long time ago. I was in my early twenties. Well, maybe I should say it wasn't that long ago, but it really no, was, it was just ago. a blip ago, a blip, a blip. So anywho, I, um, was driving and my husband had the brilliant idea of, Hey, you should do some audiobooks. And there was this place that was kind of near where he worked, um, called listen up audiobooks, where it was like a blockbuster and you'd go in and you'd physically rent like CD audiobooks. And he would go there and pick out books for me and bring them home. And I would use them on my trips and then he would return them because it was convenient. And so the secret life of bees was, um, the first one. And it actually got me super excited and back into reading. And I, well, I was probably 24 or 25 and I've been reading, listening and reading books ever since. So I'll go with the secret life of bees. I like it. I like it. Do you listen to a lot of audiobooks? I do, um, at certain times. So like January through May is a super busy time of year for me. And I love to read, like I, uh, you know, it, it really, kind of allows me to turn my brain off and just get a break from life. And I don't have as much time to sit and read. So I will listen to a lot of audiobooks during that time. Starting now and into the fall, I'll read more physical books. That makes sense. What is your least favorite book of all time? Um, I cannot remember the title of this book. Hold on. I'm going to pull it up. I recently, uh, downloaded this was an audiobook and i think it's i think it's fair to point out that some books are better reading and some books are better audio like i think it's a different experience um no judgment on how anybody reads their books at all but i think it is a different you know reading a physical book versus listening to a book is a different experience and it was a um james patterson so i used to read james patterson a lot when i was younger and there was a james patterson book that i downloaded for a trip. And I was like, Oh, this will be good. This will be fun. Um, I haven't read him in a while and I, I would really like to read a James Patterson book. So I downloaded it. it was, I think I got four chapters in and I didn't finish it. I hate to say that because I am a James Patterson fan, but I, I did not like it. And it was really more the, um, triple cross is the name of the book. Um, okay. It was the narrators. I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. So I may pick that one up again as a physical book. Um, but I would have to say as of right now, that is my least favorite book. Got it. Got it. I like it. Um, what about your favorite snacks while you're writing? Ooh, my favorite snacks. So I don't snack really while I'm writing, like while I'm sitting at my computer and actually writing, but I think my favorite snack in general is like Tostitos and salsa or some kind of dip. I make this like Mexican dip for my kids. They like it. So I think that's my favorite snack or popcorn, but it has to have butter. It has to have butter on it. Yeah, I'm a bit, I'm a big fan of the butter popcorn. Although I also really like to mix really buttered popcorn with caramel popcorn. This Ooh. is the thing I'm doing recently. And I have to stop myself from doing it because I always eat in a gigantic, like I do not have that's the bad thing about popcorn. You can yeah. eat a whole lot of it. <laughs> yeah. If unless it's not available. But even like, oh, I'll put a little in a bowl and I'll put the bag up. Still available. Still yeah. available. <laughs> you know, unless it's eons away and I can't get to it, it's still available. Yes. Okay. Bo? What is your favorite genre to read? Definitely like 
the, what I write, romance, mm -hmm. romantic suspense or thriller. I like thriller books um, for sure. I read a lot of everything really, to be mm -hmm. honest with you, but I like a book that kind of gives you a little bit of suspense to it. And I do love good, a good love story. What is your least favorite genre to read? Um, I read a lot of nonfiction, like self, like leadership marketing. And I, while I find them to be super helpful, I would say they're my least favorite to read. They're just not as fun as a, as a fictional story. <laughs> and it's work at that point too. Right. Right. What is a place you've always wanted to travel, um, but haven't gone, but if you could go at a moment, no monetary restrictions, no life restrictions, where would you want to go? Greece. Ooh, why? I feel like it's absolutely beautiful and I want to experience it in person. I just, the culture, the, the, um, setting, you know, I, I just think it's really beautiful. Yeah, no, I agree. What about a fictional world? Where would you want to travel? Uh, space. In any, like any particular to, book? I'd, I'd like to go it? Star Wars. Okay. Cause I was like, there are many space <laughs> books. I just want to talk about event horizon. I wouldn't want to be there for instance. In good space. Point. Like that is, that is not a good place to go. Good point. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> Do you believe in the paranormal? Um, yes, I do believe that there is more than we can see. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. Bo, what is your favorite book to movie adaptation? Um, I would probably have to say Harry Potter. What least, about least favorite? Um, a man called Otto. Okay. What, what, why? Um, why is Harry Potter your favorite? Let's go that way first. Um, I think probably for me, it's the nostalgia of my nieces. So my sister is 10 years older than I am and she was having babies when I was still a young teenager. And I, um, my niece, Corinne, um, who just had her second baby, like a couple months ago, was a huge, huge, huge Harry Potter fan and loved to read the books when she was younger, when they were coming out as books. And we would go, you know, to the bookstore sometimes at midnight on the release night and um, just wait, you know, for the book to come out and just her excitement to get this new book. And I really loved her excitement for reading um, and, and for the books. And so I think there's just a lot of really positive memories for me. And then going, you know, with, my nieces or friends and family to see the movies um, and just talk about the books. So I think it's more of a nostalgia piece than anything else. And the man called Otto, what is the problem with that particular? I didn't idea? feel like the movie at all captured the essence of the book is really the bottom line. I, I felt like the book was very much trying to convey that, um, you know, this grumpy old man who was, didn't really like anybody and was kind of just grumpy all the time, had a heart of gold and would do anything for anyone. And that was kind of the point that like, he could not understand you, not necessarily agree with, you know, whatever, 
but he would be there for you, be the first neighbor to be there to do whatever you needed him to do because he was just a good human being. And I thought it was a really important story. I sobbed like a baby actually when it was over. It was one of the first books I feel like, or actually the first book that I read that like I was crying for so many reasons. I was crying because it was over, just because it was over. I was crying because of the story. I was crying because of the experience that I felt like I had just had with this book. Um, it was just so emotional for me. And I felt like it, you know, it's, I just think we live in this world where it's like, well, if I don't agree with you, then we're going to be nasty to each other and I can't be friends. And I just feel like that's so shitty. Like, I don't have to be on the same page with everything that you are on page with. That's okay. Like, doesn't mean I, I still can't respect you and still can't be kind to you. And we still can't be friends, you know? And I felt like the book was capturing that, that here was this grumpy old man. He kind of only knew what he knew. And, you know, the point and the essence was that he was still this amazing person that was there for his neighbors and treated them kindly even though he was this grumpy old man kind of stuck in his ways of the world that he knew, you know? And I felt like the movie just completely missed all of that altogether. I was actually quite pissed. We can't tell from the way you just described that, that that you were mad. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Do you always, um, well, I guess the answer is no, you don't always finish a book if you don't like what's happening. So I most of the time do finish books. Um, to be honest with you, the Alex, the the James Patterson book I was just talking about, the audiobook is one of I think probably three books in my whole life I didn't finish. So typically oh. I will finish. Well, um what what will cause you to stop a book then? Like, is it rare, rare, rare to stop a book? Yeah, it is. Um so a lot of times, so there's one uh, paperback I recently was kicking around. I was like, where is it at? It's kicking around my my shelf somewhere. Um, my daughter got it for me for Christmas and I started reading it. I think I, I'm still not finished. Um, I got like four or five chapters in. And then in fairness to the author, I I wasn't like super intrigued by the book yet, but I just got busy and wasn't able to like, like I said, sit and read. So I kind of put it down. I'll probably go back to that one and finish it. But I just, I wasn't like, you know, it's like a show, for example, like Schitt's Creek is a perfect example. Maybe you disagree with this, but anytime I would recommend that show to people, I would say, you have to get through the first three episodes. I'm like, look, they're 20 to 22 minute episodes. I'm like, you really got to get to episode four before you're going to fall in love with this. Don't make judgment on the first three episodes. Some people want to watch the first episode and be like, okay, I'm hooked, you know? And I, for me, Shit's Creek wasn't that. So I always say it's season one because I think it's very hard to get into the mind frame of those characters. Like they do great, but like like you, you probably rewatch it like I do. And I think even the first episode, some of the stuff, Catherine O'Hare, brilliant. When she's shrieking about the wigs and then shrieking and holding the statue, like it's just nuts, but you have to understand the mentality of the characters. And it takes a little bit to get fully to that point where you agree, realize that they just don't get it. Agree. And I, and I appreciate that about books too. And so this one, it doesn't mean I won't get into it. I just hadn't. And then my life right. was busy. And so that was kind of a reason why I put that one down as an example. And then the, the um, James Patterson audiobook, truly, I mean, for James Patterson to be the author that he is, and he's written so many books, 
when I tell you that the narrator was reading the book like this, I was like, holy cow, are you kidding me? Am I actually listening to this book right now? You know, and I was like, this is awful. I can't do this. <laughs> and it's, uh, I'll tell you the narrators for audiobooks, because, you know, um, I'm a huge audiobook person because I actually listen to them when I'm doing chores, when I'm mm -hmm. walking the dogs, like that at driving. I do so many, so much driving that audiobooks are my thing, podcasts and audiobooks, because I don't have time to read books. I just anymore with everything going on. So, um, but a narrator will is just as important as the book because it, there are some narrators like I used to not um grab samples like I used to not listen to the audiobook sample I would be like oh I want to read the nope now I always <laughs> always listen to the sample not to see if I like the book that's not it if I'm you like the narrator like, I'm listening to the narrator and going can I stand this for any period of time so like, I've never done that, but after that experience, I do it now. Now, welcome, welcome to what I had to, because I had that same experience and it's true with dubbed movies for me too. Like I'll listen to the dub for a couple minutes to go, can I listen to the dub or am I just going to read the, you know, um, the, the translations on the bottom because sometimes the people doing the dub voices are so terrible or they don't match the human that's talking that I get completely thrown out of it because it's just so like there are some older dubbed movies where like the guy is like and you're like this is this big brawny like should be talking like this and it's, I'm like nope that's gonna ruin this entire movie I can't this is changing the character too crazy totally Bo. Um, I was just going to also say that there is this show on Netflix. I cannot remember the name of the show. And I started watching it. And I was like, why are all the actors so wooden? What is happening? And I can't get into it because it seems like they're just saying lines like this. And apparently it was dubbed and I did not realize. It's horrible. That's, I'm, I'm telling you, the, the dub thing can do it. And also the narrator can... I, I, there's a series um, that I've listened to and um, the series were all done by the same person up until the most recent book, which had two POVs. Like it was um, the bad guy POV and then the female detective. And um, each one of the books, it's, it's kind of interesting. It's actually a series, but it's different cop partners in doing different cases right and they kind of interact but mainly it's like this one's story and this one so they're all male narrators except for the last book where they got a female narrator and a male narrator different male narrator than the first books and it threw me off so much the difference between the voices in the story like, because I totally have, you know, my books who that have been recorded have um, a male and female POV and they're, you know, one chapter's male, one chapter's female. I've listened to them. That's how I pay attention to where I am in the show series. But um, this one threw me off completely. And I was like, oh, did you listen to these two together? Did you just listen to them independently and go, they sound great. And then you put the chapters and it goes from one to the other. And you're like, ah, what's happening? <laughs> so let's talk about your audiobook. So how did you choose your narrator? Did you do it through ACX? I did. Okay. 
I have to, I'm sorry. I have to do that face, but continue. No, well, ACX yeah. is fucking terrible as far as I'm concerned. Like, Well, it's my first experience. Yeah. Um, I have had an okay experience so far, but I would love to hear maybe offline what, what other audio book options you are aware of that I could utilize. And I'm all about exploring, you know, all the different options that are available. But anyway, I had, I don't know, probably who just under two dozen um, audition, people audition. And I, you know, sat and listened to every single one of them. And there were, I narrowed it down to like four or five and then just kind of kept listening to that four or five, chose the one that I liked and went from there. Yeah. Um, No, that's, I mean, the auditioning is the auditioning process, you know? Um, And yes, we can talk offline because there, you can, get it recorded and then upload it, which is different than kind of, there's a lot of sneakiness to ACX. Like they own the rights to it for seven years. So you can't pull it and do anything else anywhere else with it for seven years. Like there's just some stuff that's a little like, okay. And trust me, if you try to reach out to their technical support and say anything 90% of the time, you're going to be bumped to the back of the line and they're going to tell you how it's an issue with you. Like they seem to be the company that takes zero responsibility for anything going on on their site. They're like, nope, sorry, bump it to the back of the line. And you're like, yeah, I need to get it out. But what was it like? Have you listened to your whole book now on audiobook? Yes, yes. What was that like going through that? Um, it was kind of cool. <laughs> you know, it was different. It was interesting. Um, and... I enjoyed it really overall. Yeah. Well, that's very cool. Was there anything that um, was weird for you? Some uh, authors say it's really hard for them to listen to their words because then they hear the any errors. And here's the thing, you'll never get a book 100%. I don't care who you are out in the world. You can have it edited by 40 people. And a year later, you'll be reading it going, son of a bitch, like, you know. (laughs) We're better writers later on too. So we go, God, we could have done this differently, you know, at the time we're listening to it. Yeah. I mean, I definitely had those experiences for sure where I was like, oh God. And I think too, ironically, like the audiobook just released a couple of weeks ago. And I'm also getting ready to put out my um new novel, Call Her Janie. And I think that like I was in the process of reading that and reading that and reading that and reading that. And I'm listening to The Secrets, my first novel. And I'm like, wow, that like, I've come such a long way. (laughs) There's so much I would have done differently, you know, but it is what it is. It's part of the process that I'm like, you know, it's fine. It's, I'm. Can't, no, that's exactly it. Can't go back, you know, you, so let's just move forward. Let's you you do. You have to just move forward. You have to move on and go, I'm just going to be a better writer. But the thing is, your book, people will fall in love with it. And it will be their favorite. Even if you write 30 books, that book one will all, always be that person's favorite. Even though you're like, I would have done these things differently. No, had I known. Um, like, oh. I definitely want to do an audio of my new book, Call Her Janie. So um, I'm all ears for additional opportunities or place, ways to do that. Okay. But who plays you in the autobiographical movie of your life? Ooh. Um, 
I don't know why I am blanking so bad on <laughs> people's happens. names, um, but um, oh my God, what is her name? Hermione. What is her name? Oh, Emma. Emma Watson. Emma yeah. Watson. Yeah. yeah, Emma Watson. I like that. I like that. Um, so if you could be any mythical or fairy tale creature, what would you be? A phoenix. Ooh, ooh, yes, yes, that is very, very cool. Um, and what is one of your favorite weird food combinations? I don't know that this is weird, but ketchup on my eggs. <laughs> yep, yep, that's, that's weird to me. A, that's gonna be qualifies weird to both of us. So okay, get the weird stamp <laughs> of approval. Yes, definitely. Great. Um. What about uh, the first time you autographed a book? Did you practice your autograph? How did that happen? Um, so that was also a really cool experience. The very first time, like, holy cow, this is my book. I'm signing it. It was um, the paperback, the very first paperback that I received. And I, that my husband was like, you know, that's my copy, right? And he doesn't even read paperbacks. He reads on his iPad. And he was like, but that one is mine. Like no one else is getting that one. Um, and so I signed it for him and I didn't actually practice my signature. I just kind of did it. And that's what I did. I do with all of my books, even my journals. Um, I have a different like saying, so like a lot of authors, um, just sign or maybe, you know, I don't know. I have like a, like a saying that I put on all of the books and it's different depending on what book I'm signing. So that is something that I, I, I kind of thought ahead, you know, and do and do with all of them. Um, I did not practice my signature. I did Google and read several articles on where to sign the book how, because I didn't know. <laughs> what did the Google article say? I always do it on the title page or the yeah, that's usually, it's the title page that title I title page. Mm -hmm. yeah. But ironically, I've had a lot of people who have signed their book and they come back. Like if I'm at a, an event or something like that, and they'll come back and say, you didn't sign it. And I'm like, what? Like you bought the book, like they, as though they bought the book and I'm like, but you saw me sign it. Like they thought I gave them like a, an unsigned version. Mm. And then I have to show them that it's on the title page because they expect to open it and see it like right on the first page. Yeah, no title page. And I love that you do the sayings. Do you date your books? I do. Yes. Yeah. These are the key things that I, I have discovered. I didn't know that in the beginning either, but to date your books, because like your husband's first edition, everything in the future, those first editions and those early books will be worth a lot more money to somebody Yeah, out there. So I always date them. Very cool. Both. Yeah. What is your Starbucks order? Ooh. Uh, grande cinnamon dolce latte with skim milk. Ooh. And usually a bacon gouda breakfast sandwich. Oh, their bacon Ooh. gouda breakfast sandwiches are really good. Yeah. Yeah. No, big fan. Um, are you better writing in the morning or at night or? I write anytime I can write. It's so it doesn't really matter. Very cool. What about, um, uh, what do you think your sort of thing that you do? Like all of us as writers have things we do that the editors come back and go, stop doing this. 
Um, what is your thing that your editors go? Misplaced participial phrases. I think that, you know, I don't know if you experience this, but when they tell you that, like you almost get a list of post-its to go, let me check the manuscript for these things before I send it to the editor in the future, because like, um, and a lot of editors do like the control F for like they and the control F, you know, they like search for certain things so that they go, yes, you shrugged 400 times in this book. There's a lot of shrugging. That's got to be fixed. Yeah. I, um, what was so frustrating to me is I used like the same final editor with both books and she was the one that kind of ripped me a new one on the misplaced participial phrases, phrases in the last book. And I thought that I had done better. And she basically was like, no, <laughs> basically no, you have not done better. Pretty much, all. pretty much you need to keep working on that. And I'm like, she be, she was, I mean, she's kind and funny, but she was like, you know, you get in a groove, I think. And then you are doing it wrong and you don't realize it. And that's it. And that's your groove. And I'm like, well, I need to un get out of, I need to get out of that groove. I, <laughs> I need to ungroove. I don't know how. So SR does not need her groove back. That being the groove. Okay. I'm full of groove, uh, girl. We want to hear, before we have to wrap up here, your best fan experience, not including your husband. Uh, my best fan experience, I think, was, well, aside from my family, I mean, I have to, you know, I have to give my family a shout out. My brother and sister and my brother and sister-in-law have been super awesome and um, supportive and they were great. Like, and it was a moment when I was signing their books, you know, just so proud of, of their sibling. Um, so that was really cool. But I did a book signing at like a local fair in Tennessee and, uh, for my debut novel. And, um, I had a woman whose mother, I guess, came to the booth and read the back of the book and was like, I'm going to, you know, go get my daughter. And, um, she's going to come back. She's going to want this book or whatever. And then in the meantime, I must've had to go to the bathroom or whatever. I don't know, but I wasn't at the booth. The daughter came back and I was gone and my sister was there helping me. And my brother-in-law happened, my brother-in-law, my husband also happened to like be there at that time. Um, and this lady waited for me to come back probably 15 minutes and then just cried about how, um, much she needed my book that day and was, you know, it was just really cool. And she was just so excited for me to have, you know, to sign my book and for my family to see it too. Like they were all emotional. Like, I can't believe that this book that she wrote is like, you know, in real life, we're getting to see like how it is, how it has affected and impacted this person. Um, so that was really cool. And then I had, um, I actually had another person who commented on my social media, how it, they used it with, they took my book to their therapist and like went through their therapy with my book and how it just was so impactful on them. So I would have to say those two things were actually pretty cool. The, the social media one wasn't in person, but, you know, to wake up one day and just have that message, you don't even know this person is really cool. 
that is so amazing and nothing we can say will top that. So shameless self-promotion time. Where do people find you in your books? <laughs> um, my books can be found anywhere books are sold, but amazon.com obviously is the easiest. If you search SR Fabrico or the secrets we conceal or call her Janie, they should pop right up. I do have a website www.srfabrico, F-A-B-R-I-C-O.com. And you can follow me on social media at srfabrico author. Very, very cool. It was so wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you guys so much for having me. It was super fun. Absolutely. Okay, guys, this has been Drinking with Authors, the Literary Briefs Edition. I've been your host, Erica Lance. Don't forget to like, subscribe, review, comment, do all those things. The devices in your hand do my co-host has been the amazing Bo Lake. Our guest has been SR Fabrico, and we will see you guys next time. Bye.